Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. The Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine has reached a milestone. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The cotton ginning season is over. Citrus harvesting is about to begin. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. National Farmers Day recognizes the importance of American agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. And we'll kick it all off with a look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Wheat prices took yet another jump higher yesterday as dry weather concerns spread around the globe. Texas A&M Grain Marketing Specialist Mark Welch says dry weather is a concern both globally and right here at home as we try to get the 21 wheat crop in the ground. If you look at the drought maps and how they've been changing over the last several weeks, you know, there's a lot of Texas that's in pretty good shape from the southern rolling plains back toward the central and east Texas that uh, both drought map looks pretty good. But uh, you get up in uh, the Panhandle and the Southern High Plains, uh, it is becoming very critical. And that extends well into Kansas. We saw this week uh, much of the state of Kansas that is now under some degree of drought. Now, now very minimal. But uh, if you look at the shading on the map uh, this week, it certainly looks different than it did a week ago. Chicago's soft wheat futures hit a six-year high yesterday with prices well above $6, while hard red winter wheat futures are in the 575 range on the new crop contract. USDA is sending money out the door at breakneck speed under round two of the coronavirus food assistance program. So far, they've approved a total of 94,959 applications with a total distribution of $1.96 billion. 4,821 applications have been approved from Texas for a total payment of $65.11 million. If you average that out, it's about $13,500 per approved application. The sign-up for CFAP2 is currently underway and extends through December 11th. The new Texas Tech University Vet School is on track and on schedule. Jessica Domel visits with the school's dean about the progress being made. Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine is on track, on budget, and on time, ready to open in the fall of 2021. For an update on the school's progress, we're joined today by Guy Lonergan, Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine. Well, the latest is that we're open for business. The national accrediting body, the American Veterinary Medical Association Council on Education, they met in September and they issued us what's called a letter of reasonable assurance, which means that if we follow the plan as they've researched and investigated, then they have reasonable assurance we will meet the standards and gain accreditation. So that's huge. That's our biggest academic hurdle overcome. And so we're very excited. It means we can begin the application process. 
Texas Tech broke ground on the School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo in September of 2019. The building is coming along on track, on time, and within budget. We're super excited about it. It is changing every day. It should be available to us to start moving in sometime next summer. So we're very excited. We tour it every week. We look at all the items, and they're moving really fast, but they're doing a great job. And we're going to have an absolutely state-of-the-art building that we're going to enjoy working in. The two-story academic building consists of two learning wings, one with three large classrooms, breakout rooms, and office suites. The other wing will have laboratory and research spaces, locker rooms, surgery suites, housing for small animals, and support rooms for anatomy and pathology instruction. A separate set of facilities called the Mariposa Station will serve as the large animal focal point. Orientation for the very first class begins the 9th of August next year and classes start being taught the 16th of August. So very soon, that's only 10 months away. Between now and then, we'll leave the application window open until mid-December. In January and February, we'll conduct interviews and then send out offer letters in March and then welcome the first class to campus next August. The school's inaugural class will be about 60 students. We're going to grow slowly. The next year, we'll bring in a class of 80 students, and then we'll go to 100 students, and 100 is going to be our maximum class size. The school has developed and will implement a strategic plan to address the veterinary service and educational needs of rural and regional communities across the state. It's not part of our mission. It's our whole mission. So we have devised recruitment, admissions, curriculum, and then experiential learning specifically to address the needs of rural and regional communities. And that includes partnering with veterinarians all across Texas in rural and regional communities to give students that hands-on, real-world experience in the communities that the students will likely come from, and then we hope we'll go and end up working in. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton ginning is finished in the Rio Grande Valley while citrus harvest is about to begin. Jim Hearn has more from the valley. Cotton growers have been busy plowing down sprouting cotton stalks, which well have been sprouting since August. The cotton crop was devastated by Hurricane Hannah. Of the 168,000 acres that were planted, we only harvested 13,000. 92% of the crop was lost. 11 gins operated, baled almost 30,000 bales of cotton. Usually the valley would gin somewhere between 360 to 380,000 bales. Well, this will be some of the lowest bale counts harvested in the valley in some 30 years. The 2008 Hurricane Dolly and, of course, 2009, we had a severe drought. Those also have crippled the valley's cotton crops in past years. Well, the valley is starting to gear up now for our citrus harvest. We've got some early oranges uh, being tested now. They'll be harvested, well, probably in the next week or so. And then in another month, we should get the grapefruit harvest underway. Hurricane Hannah has already cost valley citrus producers about $65 million in lost fruit. Let's hope these early estimates uh, do not rise anymore. Growers are also harvesting cabbage and carrots right now. They're also busy getting down fertilizer for next season. Cattlemen are welcoming a lot of new calves, and cattle condition remains good. Many producers are getting that final hay cutting in. 
This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. National Farmers Day recognizes the importance of American agriculture. Gary Joyner takes a closer look. We call it National Farmers Day. October 12th of every year is set aside so we can recognize the hard work that goes into feeding and supplying a nation. Records point back to the 1800s for National Farmers Day events. We're not really sure when the first celebrations of the day began. Modern agriculture has come a long way in how farmers grow crops. New tools, new technologies, and we'll need every bit of those advancements going forward. By 2050, the global population will reach almost 10 billion people. Our current agricultural system won't be able to produce enough food to feed everybody. Global food production must increase. Some say it needs to increase by as much as 70% to keep up with population growth demands. U.S. farmers and ranchers will lead the way. There are about 2 million of them dotting the landscape. About 98% of U.S. farms are operated by families, individuals, family partnerships, or family corporations. They are good at what they do. One U.S. farm feeds 166 people annually in the U.S. and abroad. So think about the farmers and ranchers the next time you pour a bowl of cereal, open a kitchen cabinet, or grab a t-shirt to wear. It's not possible without agriculture. And that's why farmers and ranchers are important every day. But on National Farmers Day, we pause to salute the blessing that is American agriculture and tip our hats to all farmers and ranchers. I'm Gary Joyner, and this is your Texas Agriculture Minute. The American Farm Bureau Convention is going virtual. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Virtual Annual Convention will be held January 10th through the 13th, 2021. AFBF Executive Vice President Dale Moore says, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the top priority is the safety of attendees. We had been anticipating that this was a possibility, and when the convention center in San Diego announced that they were going to be closed through the end of January, that pretty much made a decision for us. What it has given us is the opportunity to take a whole other approach to our annual meeting and to our convention. Moore says a virtual event allows attendees to take in all the convention has to offer. One of the reoccurring requests for improvement, if you will, come from our members who say there were so many workshops I wanted to attend, but they were occurring kind of at the same time. I really would like to be able to attend more workshops. They're going to be recorded. They're going to be featured in different ways. You will be able to tune in when it works for you. Same thing for our keynote speakers. The event will bring home American Farm Bureau Convention favorites, including the Ag Innovation Challenge and the Farm Dog of the Year contest, among others. More says the theme, Stronger Together, highlights the industry's hard work and dedication during the pandemic. We're talking about the farming and ranching. We're talking about advocating on behalf of agriculture, working with non-traditional partners, all of those kinds of new opportunities, being able to share those highlights. Some of the great things that our staff team, our state staff teams, our state leaders all across the country, not to mention our grassroots members are participating in. Registration is free and will open later this year. Find more information at fb.org slash Events. Michael Clements, Washington. A valuable resource for landowners and tenants is now available online. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up. And calving difficulty can cause long-term problems in a cow herd. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that problem coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. 
But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The official name for calving difficulty is dystocia, and it can cause some long-term problems in your cow herd. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd discusses some of those problems. Calving difficulties can cause all sorts of problems with cows and calves both. Cows can become paralyzed when delivering a large calf and can also develop a uterine infection or trauma to the birth canal. The calves born with difficulty have a lower chance of survival, and the longer the cows are in labor, the greater the chance problems will occur. Dr. Glenn Selk with Oklahoma State indicates in Beef Magazine that cows suffering from calving difficulty have been reported to have pregnancy rates decreased by 14%, and those that did become pregnant calved 13 days later than cattle that did not have the dissocia. A Montana study showed that heifers that received assistance at early stage two labor returned to heat earlier in the post-calving period and had higher pregnancy rates than heifers that did not receive calving assistance as quickly. Heifers that were assisted early included those that received help as soon as the fetal membranes or water bag appeared, and the other group only received help if calving was not completed in two hours after the appearance of the water bag. Heifers that were allowed to endure a prolonged labor had a 17% lower rate of cycling at the start of the next breeding season, and their rebreeding rate was 20% lower than heifers that received assistance calving as soon as the water bag was noted. So monitor first calf heifers closely, and they should calve within one hour after the beginning of contractions. If this has not occurred, assistance is necessary, and calling your veterinarian early will save cows and calves especially if a C-section is required. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A virtual workshop can help landowners and people who lease land for grazing or hunting. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The award-winning Ranchers Leasing Workshop is now online. Tiffany Dow-Lashmet, Agricultural Law Specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says the virtual workshop can help landowners and people who lease land for grazing, hunting, and or livestock. It's about a three-hour video course. Just like in a regular workshop, it's me and Dr. Causey up in front with a PowerPoint screen doing our presentations. It's really focused on grazing and hunting leases primarily. We also touch a little bit on livestock leases and we go pretty in-depth into some landowner liability issues. So it's really focused kind of at the ranching community that's involved in those types of leases. People can register online. It's at AgriLife Learn. And when you go there, there's a bunch of different topic areas. We're in the ag business category. The cost is $75 and it's available anytime. The workshop takes landowners and those who lease land through many legal and economic issues that pertain to leases. One of the things that we really preach is that the best way to protect not only yourself in in that situation as the landowner or the tenant, but also the relationship between the two of them is to have a good written lease 
to where you know what's going to happen if something comes up. And so the course is really designed for kind of both sides of the equation. Um, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories from our in-person workshops is we've had a couple of times where landowners and tenants have come together to the workshop. And then they've actually sat down, one of them did it at the workshop, they sat down afterwards and wrote out a lease that they both could agree on after going through our class. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Well, the cattle market pulled back at the end of the week, but the cotton market continued to claw its way to 70 cents. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We've seen a lot of optimism in the cattle markets over the last three or four weeks, but we wrapped up things on a fairly negative note over the past week. At midweek, things just seemed to run out of steam. Both the futures market moved lower, the boxed beef market was lower, and as a result, we saw cash-fed cattle prices move lower, and we're seeing a lower trend at the auction barns. So overall, all of those lower factors in the cattle market to wrap up the week. We'll start with the cattle futures market, where October live cattle were down 62 cents, 107.15. The December down 92 at 108.62. October feeder cattle down 82. Two cents, one thirty-eight ten. November feeders down a dollar forty-five, one thirty-five oh two. As we mentioned, the cash-fed cattle market moving lower. Looks like the feedlots had to take about a dollar lower. The price range ended up being 107 to 109. A lot of those cattle moved right there in the middle at 108 on Thursday, but we did see some 109 sales in Texas earlier in the week. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Friday. Choice up 18 cents, 210.66. Select down a dollar 90 at 194.60. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Jordan Cattle Auction San Saba had a big run, 3,018 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought $1.45 to $1.76. Three to 400 pounders, $1.46 to $1.78. Four to five weight steers, $1.35 to $1.78 a pound. Five to 600 pounders, $1.30 to $1.46. Six to seven weights, a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty-nine, and seven to eight hundred pound steers, a dollar ten to a dollar twenty-three a pound. Slaughter cows range from fifteen to sixty cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty-eight to eighty-three cents. Stocker cows, four fifty to nine sixty a head. Cow calf pairs, seven fifty to thirteen fifty a pair. Let's head up to the Panhandle now, Tulia Livestock Auction in Tulia, 1,849 heads sold. The trend was $1 to $4 lower. Four to five weight steers brought $1.34 to $1.42 a pound. Five to 600 pounders, $1.29 to $1.36. 
Six to seven weight steers, a dollar fourteen to a dollar thirty-seven. Seven to eight hundred pounders brought a dollar ten to a dollar thirty-seven a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty to forty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, fifty-five to sixty-seven. Back over to the futures market, lean hogs wrapped up the week lower. December down seven cents at sixty-nine eighty. February lean hogs down forty-seven seventy ninety-five. Class three milk slightly higher. October up three cents twenty-one thirty-five. November milk up a penny, $20.84 a hundredweight. The cotton market continues its climb towards 70 cents. USDA released its Thursday morning export sales report, which was actually disappointing for the cotton market. And this market just doesn't seem to care. It seems to take on any negative news that's thrown at it, and it is determined to hit that 70-cent mark. We ended up closing higher with December cotton up 29 points, 69.22. The March contract did trade above 70 cents, but it ended up closing 21 higher at 69.93. The wheat market closed narrowly mixed. I guess the good news there is that it managed to hang on to those big gains that we saw on Thursday. December, Kansas City wheat up three quarters, 5.58 and three quarters. New crop July wheat down a penny, 5.75 and a half. The corn market closed slightly lower. December corn down one and three quarters, 4.02 a bushel. In the energy markets, November natural gas unchanged at 2.77. November crude oil down seven, 40.89 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 250 points, 28,744. The Nasdaq up 44, 11,758. The S&P 500 up 19 at 3,502. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. It has been my pleasure to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to catch us next time. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.